Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for your Boston Celtics coverage in the postseason in the Eastern Conference Finals facing Miami. We haven't even had a chance to get with you all and talk about game Seven, I believe our last show is after Game 6, and we're already into Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat. We went to overtime. The last time we talked to you, we were in double overtimes and not very happy. Um, and I'm not really all that happy with Game 1 either, John. But at the end of the day, as much as I was complaining about manufactured drama by the NBA the last time you and I were here... Um, I got to put this one on the Celtics. I mean, it sucks, and it's not – I still think there's an issue if Miami gets his way down in the fourth quarter and then all of a sudden with, like, what, eight minutes to go there in the bonus? I mean, that's, that's a little fishy, and I feel like Miami was allowed to be a lot more physical in this game. But at the end of the day, the Celtics had it coming when they weren't moving the ball and they weren't moving off the ball. If that's how you're going to end a game, you should expect to lose. Yeah, I mean they look. I mean you you called it in, on Twitter, and and I think twice. If, you know it. Yeah, it bore itself out. I mean, how many different times can you can you go to the end with zero movement? Absolutely zero movement. And the thing was, it 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 must have been something that the the team was game planning. I would think. I would hope. I would expect to, to do that as consistently as they did to just simply have no movement and just, you know, ball screen, ball screen, ball screen, just over and over and over. And they're playing into the trap when they let Kemba just pound the shit out of the ball and like he gets a handoff and then he doesn't go anywhere. And then the double comes, which is fine if he wants to draw that. And then they kick out a pass and everybody's moving. So they find the open man, but they literally, he doesn't move. Then he gets into trouble then he shoots it over. Nobody's moving, which means they know exactly where they're going to go when they come off of the double and recover. It's the stupidest yeah. thing I've ever seen. It's so disappointing. Like, I literally saw somebody tweet, and I think it was a joke, and they were like, seriously, is Brad Stevens on the hot seat? 
you know what I mean, for getting fired after this game. And I don't want to say that there's any legitimacy to that because, and you know how I feel about Brad, but as much as he yelled at some of the players in a timeout, Danny Ainge should be up his ass tomorrow. Up his ass. Uh, well, I don't know. It's unacceptable. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going there yet. I mean, I think. I mean, sometimes there is more to it than that. I mean, I don't. We don't know what Jalen's status is. I mean, there, there's. I'd really like to know a lot more about what's going on with Jalen because, I mean, there were plays that were made today, but it felt like they were hiding him in the corner a lot of it. It was the Kedrick Brown offense that seemed to be playing for him. Uh, you know, he and Smart just sitting in the corner, and I don't know what that's about. I mean. It just seems like there's a whole lot more you can get out of it. When your team is has such an advantage at certain positions on the floor, in particular against guys like Hero, you got to take advantage of those. Why aren't you seeking those situations out as opposed to trying to run pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll between you know Kemba and and Tatum over and over and over again when with they're putting the, their with best the role. With the roll never paying off, it, they never go inside on the roll. I mean, sure. a lot of the inside plays were literally Wanamaker driving it right up the gut, yeah. or it's on putbacks. And and you know, it's nice to see that they weren't getting their ass kicked on the boards. And I thought that that was boating really well in the first half. I was, they they're not giving up a lot of second chance points. They're fighting for it. And I saw the grit and the hustle. I just. It just really, really did, especially because the game was so up-tempo. But then all of a sudden, they just stopped doing it, and they weren't moving off the ball. See, I hear what you're saying about Smart and Brown, but it wasn't that way the whole game. And there's really no significant incident that would say that Jalen was somehow hurt. I mean, that to me is – I just – remember when he knifed through the defense in the first half? Beautiful play. I I honestly just think – that they put the ball in Walker's hands too much because I think the idea was let's get Walker out of his funk, and they were basically going to let him shoot his way out of it, and it was a stupid game plan. Stupid game plan. Well, I yeah, I, I think, as you said, it wasn't the game plan throughout. So at some point, something changed that they decided that they were going to seemingly take advantage of Kemba on those guys. I did see it that way. Nothing changed. That, that, Nothing changed. It was consistently unsuccessful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, look, I mean, Kemba, Kemba is your score. I mean, Kemba, <laughs> Kemba's going, Kemba's as good as anybody you got. So, I mean, let's, it's not like we were trying to get, you know, Brad Wanamaker going here. I mean, it, it makes sense. And, and to use him to, I mean, there's nobody his size that can guard him on that team. You know, I mean, if he's Kemba, there's nobody that can defend him. I mean, even Jimmy Butler would would be, um, you know, even you know at the peak of his abilities. Him? Bam had success defending him. The guy who blocks Tatum, they fought to finally Tatum went to the rim, but I don't know either they were ready for it or whatever. Um, you know, and then obviously it was a spectacular almost play. makes a I mean, crazy I don't, shot. It was a spectacular play, though. I, I mean, totally, I, I love the play call. I was so yeah. sick, of, but that was it was like a play call way too late, just way too late uh, because they weren't even in they weren't even in the bonus at the end of the fourth quarter. I mean, honestly, like the fact that that wasn't happening so much sooner, and the my and Miami was just given so much of an opportunity to just keep staying 
you know, in the zone. And if they went to the rim and slowed things down a little bit, got a little rest, you know, got ready to play some defense, I just think that that they really could have staved this one off. And because their offense was such crap and no effort uh, to move around, yeah. no effort to get to the rim, that you, I knew where this was going. <laughs> I knew I, where this I, was going. Yeah, you know, I, I'm actually going to put more more emphasis on the defense, to be honest with you. I mean, yes, it was there for them, and they could have had it, but there were so many instances where Miami got on runs in this game because of poor communication defensively, um, lack of effort. Um, you know, how many shooters? Or even smart, just playing out of his role, like he's been dominant. Yeah. He was great, but he made so yeah. many stupid decisions. Once he got super hot, he thought, "I'm going to be." Like, you know, James Harden all of a sudden. And then in the second half, he doesn't even make that easy pass to Brown. Like, their heads were up their butts, dude, for sure. I almost think here's the one promising thing, and it happens with this team over and over and over. And one of the strengths in the bubble that you and I talked about, no travel, one day off, one day on. Just enough rest, but never enough rest that they get pulled out of their element. Three days off might have been a bad thing for this team. Well, I I think... And I, and I think Miami getting seven days off, uh, you know, I, th- I think particularly that first quarter, they they showed that, you know, Boston did seem to have a little bit more momentum to them. And then when Miami kind of found its found its legs a little bit, I guess, in the second quarter, that's when things kind of went off the rails a bit, I thought, for the Celtics. And, um, you know, I, they I just build the lead again in the fourth quarter and can't hold it. So they build the lead twice and let it slip away. They did. But, and I but I think that that's. Again, I think those the slipping away part. I mean, it, it was. I think there was it was brain dead behavior on both sides, right? It was it was poor offense, not dictated by great defense, mind you. It was poor poor offense, poor offensive execution, poor defensive execution, and that's why you know, despite all of that, you know, really the Celtics didn't, shouldn't have won this game tonight. I mean, they. They they played a team they only they only they only turned over twelve times uh, a team that shot uh, let's see forty seven percent from the field forty four percent from three you know you're gonna and they made and they got to the line twenty eight times I mean that's a that's a recipe for losing right there I mean there's just that's just not gonna be a situation they had like a crazy yeah, thirty two assists on uh, on forty made baskets I mean that's nuts. That's a nuts percentage. And great, good for them for moving the ball. But like, look, the Celtics were out of position and they were their heads were on a swivel all the time. They had no idea where they were going. They were not talking. They were not on a string. Um, to me, that defensive effort is what opened up holes that Miami capitalized on over and over and over again. And and it wasn't it wasn't really hero and it wasn't really. Uh, Duncan Robinson. It was, you know, it was Goran Dragic getting easy, easy drives to the lane. It was, you know, Jay Crowder's open a few times. He's five for nine. I don't think he hit five three pointers at any point in his Celtics career in one game, but he hit it tonight. So look, I, I just, to me, until this is going to be an opportunity, game two, we're going to see what's going to happen here. Can Brad Stevens get their heads straight? You know, can they get a game plan? Now they know what Miami's going to try to do. They've seen the zone. They've seen all these things. Now can they get their their heads right? Because, you know, I don't know if their heads were swimming after, you know, the game on Friday night, but uh, <laughs> they got to turn around and get game two. That, that's, a, that's, that's an important win right there. They cannot go down too well. No, it's a must win. 
It's an absolute must win. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. It's a must I, win. They they can't go to, down 2-0. I mean, the, fortunately, there's not really a home in the way, but they can't go down 2-0. They can't be in the position Toronto was in because they're not going to get the luxury that Toronto got. And Miami just beat Milwaukee. So you let them go up 2-0 with that level of confidence. This team's, and I don't mean to make a an issue of, of age because they're playing way wiser beyond their years most nights. But yeah. this team is too young to come back from being down 0-2 to a team that just beat the favorite to go to the finals, uh, is a total underdog, dark horse type of candidate uh, for the for the championship. Uh, they're just hungrier, uh, and you let them get that kind of confidence with a with a guy like uh, Jimmy Butler leading the way with with you know his, his experience. Yeah, it's bad. It's gonna be bad. I you know I'm not. I know I, I <laughs> I'm not as. But we've seen this happen. Celtics drop game one. Milwaukee dropped game one against the Celtics and won every game after that. Uh, you know, there's lots of series where we've seen this happen. They lose game one and never lose another game or only drop one more. And I don't think the Celtics can play worse. Do you? I don't think it gets any worse than this. And they went to overtime. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. To me, the the the, the talent and the and the you know it's all on Boston. You know, if the Celtics play and they don't have those lapses offensively and defensively i think they win this game i think they i think they win they, i think they beat the miami heat you know we, if we're going to talk about you know predictions about you know what's the series going to come to and all this um you know to me the celtics in spite of all this still look like a better team they still look like they're a deeper team and they're they a better look like team. a dominant team when they got out of the gate it's just they didn't finish that. They got see. They got arrogant. Really, if you look at the way that they finished that first quarter, there was a huge amount of arrogance because of the start. But once they get the 15 point lead in the fourth quarter, I don't think it was the arrogance that killed them. They just lost their mojo. And at the same time, you know, again, Miami being able to go to the line and the Celtics just not knowing you know, how to keep manufacturing offense. And that's really an error area. And I don't think there's anything wrong with Jalen Brown. I just think he's getting left out and they better wisen the hell up because yeah, there's a couple of times he went up to the rim and he got fouled and he didn't get the call. And then they never sent him to the rim again. And see, that's where they make strategic mistakes all the time. Yeah. You don't get the first call, but how many, how many times is I bitching about a call? And then there was a makeup call immediately afterwards, you know, in the favor of the Celtics. Like, I actually feel like at the end of the day, as frustrating as it was for Miami to have, you know, the ability to be in the bonus, I don't think that Celtics forced the issue. You know, and Jalen should have kept attacking the rim. Eventually, he's going to get the call. They're not going to keep not calling it, watching him get his ass sent to the ground and be like, yeah, no, it's perfectly fair. No, everything's fine. You know what I mean? But they go, they, you never saw him go to the rim again. After that non-call, he gets hammered, lands on the ground, no call, never goes to the rim again. That's a problem. 
Um, they'll benefit greatly if Hayward can even come back whatsoever. You know, you talk about the depth advantage, but they also need to have Kemba Walker off the floor and is great. Believe me, got to throw major positives towards Grant Williams and towards uh, Wanamaker especially. So, but, yep. but, but if you have Hayward out there and you're giving Kemba a lot more rest and you've got uh, see, here's the problem with Wanamaker. They're not respecting him. But if you had Hayward out there, they would respect him, and that would make things easier for Walker. We saw lots of time with Walker and Wanamaker out there at the same time, but they just aren't going to respect Wanamaker the way they would Hayward. Yeah, I mean, I think he's earning it a little bit. I mean, certainly 11 points tonight, six assists. I mean, that's a in 24 minutes. That's that's really impressive. Good on good on Brad. I mean, he's having a great run here since the, uh, yeah, the Toronto series, the start of the Toronto series, at least when he had some, some pretty bad <laughs> turnovers. Uh, but, but I think, yeah, he's, he's doing a great job. And the fact, you know, when they went, when Tice fouls out, Brad's the first guy they call. Now that's probably a, you know, I think that was kind of figure things out a little bit. I uh, like but, that they went know, small. I like that they went small in that situation. I, I do, but I think that Grant was the better choice. I, I'm not really sure why, in that situation why you'd put – but I guess they were thinking offense, defense maybe or something. But um, either way, I think both guys have earned a spot. But, but boy, you know, I think a, a game like this, um, someone to move the ball, someone to, to draw some defensive uh, uh, attention – you know, Hayward was one that could really be useful in this game. And, of course, when they go to the zone, all the more important to be able to send him to the middle and have him make decisions. I mean, I think that's that's obvious there. But I really don't think the zone really messed with him too, too much. You know frankly. what they didn't do well? I didn't is, think it was that it, bad. Best spot on the floor expose best spot on the floor for Walker mm-hmm. uh, exposes the zone. And I'm not even sure they were in a zone when he shot it uh, two or three times, but just that long mid-range jumper, you know. And that's like the one thing. He can't hit a three-pointer to save his damn life. But, boy, he looks smooth every time he hits that mid-range. And he should have been searching for that more. Uh, I think it would have helped him build his confidence if he kept hitting those. And it would have, you know, eliminated the Nick Nurse zone game strategy against the Celtics, it's almost like it got in their heads, right? Like, oh, man, here comes the zone again. Let's not screw this up. And and they're perfectly fine to attack the zone now. I, I, I mean, it's not – Yeah. Miami is not the defensive team that Toronto is. Uh, but Bam is a different look and definitely, you know, does help make that zone still quite effective. But, but really, it's not the same. And the Celtics – probably should have gone more for those mid-ranges, and we didn't see it. Uh, really, almost almost just a very cavalier, casual, and kind of lazy offense tonight. And and that's where, like, sky's the limit. And then when you see the defensive mistakes that they have not been making in the postseason, to your point, like, again, I just can't see them getting any worse. I guess the bigger question is, can you see Miami getting better than they played tonight? Well, I mean, definitely Duncan Robinson – you know, obviously in the foul trouble, and he was not able to to play the minutes he normally would. But is, is he really going to shoot better than five from nine from three point land? <laughs> you know, I mean, probably not you know, substantially I know that, better. He might play he, more he minutes, could. and he might, but but yeah, he right. could. Are you 
I mean, chances are you're more likely to, to see, uh, you know, Duncan Robinson with a 22 point outing, you know, <laughs> than than you are uh, uh, Jay Crowder. But so what? I mean, so you know, I think that there that's definitely possible. I thought there was some some easy looks that Bam was was getting that he kind of missed. Uh, but you know, and you're, and you always stand the opportunity for Kelly Olynyk to, to step up and, and have some big minutes, but I don't think, you know, the, really the, the matchup was there for him. I think the Celtics did a good job in trying to make sure that Tice was on the floor when Olynyk was out there and then, you know, trying to do, use, if you're going to have Rob Williams minutes, you're going to use them, uh, when Bam's out there. So you're not, you're not straying to the three point line nearly as much. So I thought, I thought generally, the bigs did pretty well in this game. Uh, you know, and I thought really when Tice came out, it, it did hurt them. Um, largely because they weren't using Grant at all offensively to, to allow, uh, you know, somebody like Bam to be able to slide over and take that block away. You know, it was, um, you know, <laughs> when you're two on five, it's, it's a lot easier to, to defend that. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't really see a lot. I mean, Jimmy only had 20 points, 14. He was seven of 14, you know, two for three from three, um, got to the line six times. There's certainly more offense there that Jimmy could bring to the table. Uh, you know, to get 20 points in, you know, I think that's an okay. That's not great. It's okay. But in terms of what the Heat need to do, that's the type of game he needs to have. 25 and 5, you know, with getting to the line and shooting a high percentage, that's really all you need from him. If you're going to do right. that and you're playing good defense, you're probably going to be in a good position at the end. So the guy who's totally pissed that the Celtics gave up on him because they wanted to go after Hayward uh, <laughs> that offseason. Uh, we got all excited for him in March. I certainly did. Jay Crowder, 22 points. Boy, does he just want to stick it to the Celtics or what? He has got such a vendetta. Five for nine. He shoots nearly 56% from three-point land. In this game, it's the Celtics' fault. They left him wide open in the corner countless times. And I've just, I'm not even used to seeing that. Like, without a closeout. It's one thing if he's hitting the shot and he's getting closed out on. You know, I mean, look at all the Jalen Brown closeouts. Even on that game three loss, or game game four. Uh, no, it was game three. The game three loss with half a second. I mean, Jalen was all over that play. It was just huge. OG hit a big shot. But that's not the case for most of Crowder's offense, just being completely left alone. But what a smile on his face. Man. Yeah. Can he play better? Can he play? Are you expecting 22 points and five for nine from three from Jay Crowder the rest of the series? I mean, as much as you said Duncan was limited, you know, is Crowder going to keep doing this? I mean, look, no, I think, you know, right now, so he gets 22, Duncan gets six, and Harrow gets gets 12. So if you're getting 40 points from the three of them, that seems reasonable, you know? You know, 10, 10, 10 15, 15, yeah, that's, you know, that's about what you're going to get, you know? I don't think that's crazy. I think 29 from Goran Dragic is the real problem. You know, to yeah. me, the issue in this game, you know, I, I totally agree with – how things looked offensively at the end. And there were times in the middle as well that I think this is emblematic of. But to me, the issues that this team ran into is what Goran Dragic did to them in the middle of the game. 
whether it was the second quarter or, or the beginning of the fourth quarter when all those, you know, situations cropped up. Dragic was the one, I think, that that was the catalyst for a lot of this stuff to happen. And, you know, how many times, you know, the miscommunications and he he jumps on it like that. He's the one that draws the sixth foul on Tice. You know, I mean, all of those situations, it was absolutely Lowry-esque uh, to see him out there and, and making all these decisions. To me, the Celtics need to have a better game plan for Goran Dragic in game two. Like that's to me, that's really more important than even dealing with Jimmy Butler in a way. Because while Jimmy is strong and tough and all those things, he is a mess. He's a mess. He, he kind of is. Yeah, he kind of is. He I, he's a very talented maybe, player. Maybe maybe he's, he's not player. a mess. Maybe he's not well, a mess as much as he's messy. But he does hit that big yes. three pointer. But because he's just loaded. With God. I feel like there's more things that you can do. I think the Celtics have more answers for him, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I, I agree feel like with the that. Celtics can throw more at him. And that's not as dis- – I'm not meaning that as disrespect towards Jimmy, but I'm, what I'm saying is that that he is a guy who seemingly to me is great in the big moments always. And I'm not just saying that because of tonight. I mean, I think the playoffs have borne that out. His career has borne that out. But it's, it's those – Dragic goes back and sees Jalen and Tice arguing about whatever, and then you know he finds this guy, or you know, oh, no one's got me. I'm just going to drive in. You know, I mean, it's those types of stuff, those types of situations that I think are the ones that killed the Celtics tonight. 29 points in 38 minutes, three for six from three. I mean, that was, you know, he didn't make the big baskets near the end, but to me, he was the reason why that game was close. You know, to to be even in a position where we're talking about this. If he's not doing those things, Suns win this game by yeah, yeah, and time at all. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, Tice not being able to you know fouling out was definitely a factor, not the end all be all. But he's a plus twelve. Everybody else on the Celtics was a negative except Tatum, and he was only a plus three. And and this was a, a three-point game. Think about that. In a three-point game, every Celtic was in the negative, except for Tatum, who was only plus three, and Tice was plus 12. So yeah. that says a lot, especially when you consider the matchup against Adebayo is definitely in Bam's favor in terms of athleticism. So Tice's stat line, pretty much garbage. But if we're going to look at his stat line, Jason Tatum... Game one of the Eastern Conference Finals, 30 points, 14 rebounds, five assists, three steals, two blocks. The only thing you really want to criticize him on is 10 of 24 from the field and not as much activity hitting the rim and only four for 12 from from beyond the arc. So, But that stat line is uh, ridiculous. That's fine. Yeah. yeah you can't. I, I don't think. To me, that's fine. I, I think – you get you shoot forty percent from the field, you know you'd like to make a few more of your threes, but you know. Well, him and Walker don't play the two man game more. That's the thing that also blows my mind. If you're going to put the ball in Walker's hands, how come the two of them aren't instead of just spacing away from each other and one of them shades away and the other one's the ball handler? Like, why can't they get something going together? I don't understand that. Well, I thought that's what they were trying to do. I, mean, I thought that was kind of where where they were at the the end of the game was. Trying doing to get, it. Well, I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not but sure. Just because but, they're but, both 
on the arc and they're passing the ball back and forth from three steps back does not mean all they're doing is waiting to well, see no, who can make the exploit the the double for a three pointer. You know what right. I mean? There's got to be more action than that. Well, yeah, I I, I agree with that. I agree, agree with that. But going back to your, your earlier point, not to to jump back too much, but you know, talking about Tice, what do you think happens on that last play? When Jalen, when when Tatum gets the ball going and Tice is in the game, what do you think he's doing to to Bam Adebayo? You know it as well as I do. He's pushing him off the block, or Bam is shading over, and he's waiting for the pass from Tatum to throw down the alley oop like he did in the waning seconds against Toronto. I well, I think I think it's the the patented Tice seal, and and it's a wide open dunk. You know, I mean that's the thing is like. That's you lose Tice. This is what you, this is what you know you, the situation finds. It's a really good point. You know, but look, I, I I think Tatum did. You know, I thought his defense. I mean, that the play on Jimmy Butler, frankly, was he did all he could. I mean, there's not much more yeah. in that situation. You could argue it wasn't a foul, too. Quite frankly, but I didn't think it was uh, a foul. I thought that was bogus. I thought that was a hundred percent bogus. But the Celtics can't complain. Because they got away with a, a bullshit foul that ties up the game, you know, yeah. or at least maybe it's not bullshit, but it's, I mean, come on, really? Like, I just don't think you make that call. And then the Celtics, you know, Tatum goes, hits a free throw, ties the game, and then they waste the final possession, which is just so idiocy to me. That was probably the most frustrating thing is they got a gift and then they squandered it, you know, just trying to just jack one up. God, that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Last question for you, and then um, you know I got I want to I want to pose some predictions for the rest of the series and Hayward's return. But the last question is, when the defense was sucking so bad and they couldn't get inside, why not even just a test run for three minutes a canter? And I do not understand that. I definitely understand the Rob Williams; he's earned it. But what I don't understand is when they can't get the ball inside, and well, why not? You know, Bam is super athletic, but we're talking a little old school, little jump hook, lots of length, and maybe an opportunity when you're just going to jack shots from outside, why not get some offensive rebounds and some second chancers like uh, Jalen Brown's putback? I really, I understood why no canter in the Toronto series, but when everything was going wrong in this game and you brought in all these different people, and that defense wasn't communicating well anyway. I just don't understand why you don't give Canner a shot. Well, I, I think it's defensively. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I think I'm not saying anything you don't already know, but I mean that that stretch when they're already playing bad. Yeah, but I mean that was epically bad against Toronto and 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 Miami's layout, you know, setup, not unlike you know Toronto's, is such that. You know their bigs are so mobile and so 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 switchable and so flexible that it it just it's terrible for them. You know if the if the Celtics go in and play the Lakers, you're gonna see a lot of canter. You know if they can get by this, if they go up against Nuggets, you're gonna see a lot of canter. But you know in a, in a game like this, Goran Dragic doing what he did against you know Tice and and whoever else. I, I shudder to think what he would have done with Cantor out there. You know, I mean, it would have been just like Lowry and Van Vliet lighting up Cantor. Uh, I think probably in game, you know, game three, I guess, uh, which eventually got them going and, and kind of 
reignited the series in a way. Um, yeah, you got to you got to make that move when Robinson is out, right? You got to make that gotta, move. Yeah, that's what gotta, you know. Yeah, you gotta you gotta sneak it in there to stave off their little comebacks with guys right. on the bench, right? The minute minute Robinson goes down, right. you got to go to Canner, especially because that was the stretch when the defense was really breaking apart there. Um, so, all right, let's let's go to let's go to a couple of predictions and wrap it because I have a feeling we'll be back sooner than later. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about when we think Hayward will hit the floor. Which game? Two, three, four, zero, five. You know that kind of thing. Right, right. So I think if my math is correct, and it probably isn't, but let's just say it is. Um, Four weeks was Sunday since the injury. So that means now that, you know, they're already at the within the four to six week window, right? We're now we're days into that and, and whatever that means. We saw him shooting around Friday, right? Hard Lightly workout, shooting. no practice on Monday. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's out of the, you know, he's obviously out of the, out of the quarantine. He's, he's doing all that. He's not yet practicing. I think that's the issue. I think until you see him go through a full practice, he's not going to play. Yeah, but take a guess. Which game? I'm saying game three. Me I too. Think, yeah, I me think too. He is the one he's out there. When it would be st- nice to have him in game two, but it would almost look like a move of desperation. And they're much, they're better. Like you said, he might even play. He might even be at practice tomorrow. But yeah. I don't think we, I don't. If we do see him in game two, they'll have a big lead and, you know, not totally put away, but a fairly comfortable one. He'll have practice tomorrow, uh, at least tomorrow and <laughs> compared to when we were recording this and depending on when you're listening. But we'll say Tuesday was game one. Wednesday, if he's at practice, if they're up big in game two, I can see them put him out there just because it's another practice to kind of, you know, but maybe five minutes, you know, just a little shake the rust off, see the speed of the game, dot, dot, dot. He goes to practice on Friday and then Saturday night, um, game three, that's when, you know, he really gets a crack. And and I, I kind of think at this point he might even get back into the starting rotation if they feel like he's good. They can always do the quick hook and put smart back in. And I advocated against that recently, but now I'm advocating for it after watching this game one. I would say, yeah, I don't think if he's active, he'll play a significant number of minutes. I don't think they'll activate him because I think that they'll want to have as many you know healthy bodies on the roster as they can um, who can who can play you know legitimate minutes. So I don't think they'd go like a short run. But I think that if he's there, he will. He'll be on the. He'll he'll play. I don't think he'll start. I think they're going to keep keep Smart in the starting role. I think they like where they are right now. Smart is probably one of the few guys who've come out strong, uh, you know, to start games and and, and kind of shot well early. So, um, you know, I don't think they kind of want to mess with that. He's really on a good run right now. I, I'm going to go the other way. I wouldn't change it. I I'm would rather go the, have Hayward yeah. sit. Wait and buy this time, and then you can you can limit his minutes a little bit better now. coming off the bench. Then when you start, then you're you know there's kind of a it's a little bit harder to back up the wheels now, on it. Here's the issue. Here's the issue. 
they can't rely on Kemba to to, to maintain the bench unit offense, and they're going to need big minutes from Tatum, and he's going to need a breather while he's playing big minutes. I think the thing about Hayward is, especially if you're going to put the ball in in Walker's hands, is Hayward is much better out there with that group because the responsibilities are lesser. And we even saw this when he first was coming back from injury and really didn't have the physical lift in yet. Um, you know, he doesn't hurt that. He doesn't hurt them offensively because he can get into good position to make plays, even if even if athletically and reaction time isn't quite there. And even on the defense, I don't think that he'll. I mean, obviously, he's a major drop off from Smart, but I think that that second unit. When they start bringing in the reserves, and God knows why they had three reserves on the floor at the same time in the second quarter of this game, but I think that's a major issue. And I think I think it's a quick. I think they start Hayward, but it's a quick hook, and you put in Smart, and then Smart sticks in there for the early po- uh, minutes of that bench unit. You know, go into the bench, and then they can start rotating the starters back in again. And then I think Hayward comes in at the completion of that rotation. So I don't think Hayward gets a lot of minutes, but I think he starts because I think they bal- it balances out that bench depth. But if you were to bring Hayward in to sort of dictate that offense as rusty as he is f- and be the, the person who really lifts the second unit, I just don't think that's there, or at least not in the first game. So well- – yeah, I, I that's true. I think you're right. Putting pairing him with Kemba makes the most sense, you know, rather than than having him work with work with Tatum or, or yeah. I think I'm not sure. I I think that's where I'd go either. I think the reason why I say you know have him have him come in off the bench is I like the idea of getting Tatum out early. Tatum Tatum's a slow starter. He just always has been for whatever reason, and so I would love to see them take take Tatum out early. Get you know go with you know Hayward, you know and have him you know kind of be in there and then you go Tatum with the bench units, you know with Wanamaker and and you know Rob Williams or whatever roll you know Smart back in or what have you and then I think you're kind of you know then you're into you know those kind of Kemba and and Hayward minutes you know at the end of the you know end of the quarter you know middle of the quarter you know kind of then in the second quarter. Because I think that's the, to me, like, those are the two that need to come together, you know? I mean, Kemba can handle it all that, but he's not moving the ball well enough, and it's kind of getting stuck a little bit. Um, oh, so getting and, stuck. You know, you know? I also think Jalen and Hayward have had shown some nice chemistry, too. So it would be great. They need to find a way to get Jalen going. I, I, I'm i kind of frustrated. That's probably the biggest – I'm as dominant he as he was points. in Toronto, how come he's not more dominant? Yeah, it, it, and it wasn't falling for him. He got shots, but he just wasn't in the flow. But that has everything to do with the fact that nobody was moving. And they got to move for Jalen to be effective even. I mean, just giving him that pass and on the cut, like, yeah. you know, it was funny because he's the only one going into the paint. They just clapped three people on him. He took lots of contact many times. You know, but then because he's driving one on three, the officials just don't respect it, right? Yeah. That's the issue. And and so all they do is swallow up the middle as soon as they see him go, and that's because there's no ball movement. It's so predictable. It's such a mess. Let's make our predictions and close this one out. I hope to come back in a better mood on the next one because <laughs> I wasn't even on a good mood in a good mood on the last one. So we've got game two is going to be Thursday. Game three is going to be Saturday. 
I think we'll probably be back before game four rather than afterwards. Um, so let's just make predictions for games two and three, knowing the Hayward situation that we're both predicting he comes back for the Saturday game. What are you saying happens in the next two games? <laughs> the next two games, uh, I think that they actually end up uh, with two Celtics wins. I think the Celtics are going to win games two and game three. Um, I, I think that the Celtics are the better team. I think they're going to come up with a much better plan here in game two. I'm I'm very bullish on the Celtics' chances here in, the, in their next game. I think they're going to come out like a world on fire, much like game five, really. I think that they're going to see this as they've let this one slip away, much like they let you know four game four in Toronto kind of beat them um, and, and the, you know let that game slip away. I think they're going to also view this game as one that they should have had. Reviewed focus, renewed energy, uh, you know, even game seven for that matter, really. So I, I'm I'm very bullish on them winning the next two and going up 2-1. I think they split. I think they win game two. I think Gordon comes back for game three, like we said. I think it gets a little disjointed. I think they're much more likely to win games two, four, and five because I think it's highly likely that this series goes seven, because you know how they do. And then you still got, you know, a late start out. You know, this we got one game in the books. Denver's, you know, having a crack at, at the Clippers, you know, as we speak, as we record. I think we were uh, early second quarter, and they were within five Denver down to the Clippers. But, you know, it's going to be – and it's going to be at least two days before they before they start that L.A. series, which is my prediction, but we'll see. Um, so you're, the Celtics are basically going to be up ahead. I mean, the Celtics and Miami are going to be ahead at least one game in this series. And so I I think I think this one goes seven, and I say the Celtics win two, four, five, and seven. So. That's why I think there's a split in the next two. I don't think anybody wins back. To, I think the Celtics win back to back in four and five. The NBA loves it to go seven once it's a three two. They give Miami maybe a another one just like we saw in Game Six of the last series, and then then we go to seven. So I say a split. If we don't make it uh, on the airwaves, so to speak, live to tape by Game Four, you're saying the Celtics take the next two. You might mm-hmm. as well. Do you think they go up 3-1, they win three in a row, or is game four, in your mind, no. the 2-2? Two two? I think I think Miami wins game four, and then, as crazy as this sounds, Boston wins five and six. Uh, so you think they win, lose one, win two, lose one, win two? I, that's I right. think that's the assumption on how much better the Celtics are than, you know, Miami yep. in general talent-wise. You know, you would expect that they would win two to their one. But Miami played them tough all season, and and you know the NBA's Not in the really. bubble. They're gonna be there. Might as well get an extra game out of it. I think it goes seven. I'm going two, I, four, five, and seven. I know, I know. I knew you'd you'd go there. I, I think I think the Celtics, other than the bubble game, actually <laughs> proven they're a lot. Did you better. just insult me? <laughs> no, I just I knew you were gonna go there. I That's knew you were awesome. gonna say that it was it was uh, you know, and I can't argue with it. I mean, after Game Six, how could any of us argue with with uh, what the league is capable of, right? I mean, geez, Louise, are you kidding me? Easy, <laughs> I mean, Louise. 
there's no way we any of us could say like, oh, give me a break. You know, there's no way. I mean, no, absolutely, man. I totally buy into what you're saying. It's just, I just think that uh, that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna. You think they're gonna bounce back, and then they're gonna be bullish about getting two and and showing Miami what they're made of. Yep. There's a little overconfidence factor that I think they might have to shake off. I that's my only thing. I, I think this was I think this was that game. I think this was the game to shake it off. You know, I think. This was the one to say, hey, yo, wake up, guys. This is it. Because if they go down 2-0, um, we better hope for Game 7. Cause it just depends. It just depends if in their head they were executing the game plan and, hey, we were close and we went to overtime, you know, and hey, we just missed that one. You know, sometimes that false optimism you know, they don't quite learn sure. the lesson. They should they should take this one as insulting. I'm just not so sure that they will. That's going to be the test. Basically, if it goes where they win games two, four, five, and seven, then my prediction about them not quite taking this loss as hard as they should is probably true. And mm-hmm. uh, I think you're absolutely right. If this was lesson learned, you know, especially, you know, Kemba said, I've just, I've been playing horrible. Like he admitted it in the post game. So it's also on Kemba. Like, are you going to be the playmaking Kemba or are you going to be the pound the ball through the floor Kemba? And and right. so very interested to see if this ball whips around for an entire 48 minutes or shit, I'll take 40 minutes um, like it did at the first, you know, 12 minutes, maybe not even 12, maybe the first eight minutes of this game. And then after that, pretty much gone. So what do you say, John? Wrap it. Wrap it, baby. Let's get out of here. Let's get back here for uh, for after game four, maybe, and uh, we can really talk about the Celtics ready to, to lock this thing down. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Celtic Stuff Live. As a reminder, you can follow us on Twitter, at CSL underscore Tweet Live. What? Are you going to add something? No. No, no, no. no. Oh, I thought Roll I heard it, you jumping in. I was like, do no, it. No, no, no. No, no, throw no, it roll. in there. Throw it no, in no. there. No. We, haven't done the out- we haven't done the outtakes in a while. We'll have to do that next time. All right. Well, anyway, big thank you uh, to everybody for listening. Um, you know, give us a rating review. Your feedback is important to the show. For staff writer. Oh, I didn't lose it. Sammy. Sammy. Uh, and for the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, I'm Justin Poulin. He's John Duke. We'll be back. Thank you for listening to this episode of Celtic Stuff Live.